0: How do we get on this topic when we were chatting? I thought we were talking about breathing techniques, weren't we?
1: Yeah. So this is kind of like I'm like backing up and like, how do we make this into a story that like people can follow? It's called the Yerkes Dotson curve. And so if you take on the X axis autonomic arousal, huh? it just like how keyed up you are. Yeah. And on the Y-axis is performance. It kind of forms this like bell-shaped curve to where if you're like barely waking up in the morning, still have sleep in your eyes, haven't warmed up, or you're like super out of it and lethargic, your performance is crap. You yeah. get four-keyed up. You get to a, like your your performance goes up and up until you get to a point where there's so much autonomic or like there's so much stress and anxiety that your performance starts to go back down again. Right. And so the the way the vagal nerve uh, works into that is that you um, it's a part of your uh, your parasympathetic nervous system. And so the the way the nervous system, the nervous system in the body kind of work both ways with each other your nervous system gives cues to your body and your body also gives feedback to the nervous system and so why would as a surfer you want to know anything about the vagus nerve is so that you can recognize when you're on the wrong side of that curve and you can use those tricks to bring yourself back down to high performance
0: Yeah. And now I'm remembering how we got on that topic because we all really sucked in the first session.
1: (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, And so, you know, there are so, okay, there's a whole bunch of different like tricks you can do to and, and most people don't really like usually getting yourself more keyed up is not the challenge. Yeah. For, for most of us, we yeah. we have a portion of you know having we, we had childhoods and so we have lived experiences and so we were really good at getting keyed up and anxious. Yeah, yeah we're not so good at regulating our emotions back down right. And so some of the th- like there are things you could do like yoga Nidra where you can practically put yourself to sleep. But you're not really engaging your muscles in your body. You have to relax your muscles. It takes 20 minutes to do. It's 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 uh, it's not conducive to surfing. You're more likely to drown than to become more than to perform better. <laughs> right. So don't and, do yoga do negra on in the water surfing on your board. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be. That'll be point number one. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then, you know, there's, then there's stuff like we talked about the breathing, you know, and box breathing. Yeah. Well, while you're paddling for, you know, while you're out there waiting for the next set and you're too keyed up, that's great. Yeah. How do you, but you know, some people I've, I've had the problem where I can sit and do that and feel nice and relaxed. And then all of a sudden, you know, like at the surf ranch, you like, you hear that the beehive swarm and like the, the engine is running and it's coming to work and that big, and, you know, I can go from zero to hundred in no time flat in terms of my autonomic arousal. Yeah. And what are the things that you can do in, in those two, three seconds, while, while you're just, while you're, while you're actually moving, while you're paddling even yeah to, to bring that, bring that state down. And so there's a couple of things like some of this is from Andrew Huberman, but it even, you know, some of this predates Andrew Huber, Huberman, um, things that they teach operators, military operators, things that they teach ER physicians. Mm-hmm how to, so how do you regulate your, your autonomic arousal? And so in about a split second, right? That's the key. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so one of the cool, so this is where the vision discussion came in is that if, if I'm looking and this relates really well to like advice that we give beginning surfers, we tell them stop looking three feet in front of your board. Because and what you're what you're doing is that not only are you not seeing the wave, that's part of it, but as you as you focus and become tunnel visioned, it arouses your sympathetic nervous system.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so one thing that so one thing that I've started to do and that one and, and one thing that they teach these operators is to start focusing your attention wider and wider into the periphery Mm. so as you turn back and you're looking at the wave start to notice everything out on the periphery notice the top of the wave the bottom of the wave you know way down the line way up close to you so the the more you can kind of dilate your visual perception it, it brings the automatic the autonomic nervous system down and and uh let's see uh Kingerman calls it, it you it releases a it, yeah releases a mechanism in the brainstem involved in vigilance and arousal hmm. so it it kind of brings you back into that that peak portion of the graph where where we're looking to get
0: yeah I think the trick to that for inexperienced surfers would be the timing issue because the mm-hmm. the wave is constantly evolving and moving and you're trying to basically slow down time by opening up your peripheral by the time you kind of recognize the open of peripheral the wave runs you over <laughs> or yeah. or you don't react enough to get around in the section and then it runs you over so there's that learning curve too. And I think surfing is specific in that. I don't, I can't think of too many, too many instances where you don't have time to maybe open up that peripheral when you're in that moment that you're talking about, like the military operators probably are the closest to it, like in, Mm -hmm. in, in in battle. Right.
1: So how can you, how can you practice it on land? Like get your heart rate up really high. Yeah. Run a hundred meter sprint. If it's not going to cause an injury right yeah and and then and then practice it yeah. and, and then, you have to you know,
0: rile yourself up somehow in that yeah. in that same moment it has to be that same scenario
1: yeah. yeah think about the last time you had a big wipeout on the reef and walked out looking like you just made love to a Jaguar <laughs> You know, like whatever it takes to get you keyed up and then and then do the thing. And then the only other thing that's kind of a quick thing. And it's like this is not something you're going to do necessarily while, you know, while you're paddling for the wave. But you can do it while you're, you know, in that few in that like 10 seconds when you see the wave coming and you're not paddling for it yet. Um, And you like you see dogs do this right before they're about to fall asleep. And we did this as children, like after you as a child, like if you can remember when you like after you cried, you're like bawled your eyes out and then you're getting like you're calming yourself. Your body's starting to calm back down. And then you do that long inhale with a double inhale. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah if you do that like that is that is gonna jack yourself way down and because it it stimulates the diaphragm yeah stimulates that vagus nerve which drives your heart rate down and then and it drives your autonomic nervous system down so there's so there's a couple of things that you can think to do and it's um you know again there's a learning curve to it like you're not going to do it the first time you're not going to do it on every wave, but did you do it on one wave? This set, the session, how did it, how did it work differently? How did it feel different?
0: Yeah. I think that one probably is more, uh, is it going to be more used if people hear this and they're, they're like, Oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm either going to rob myself up and then try to calm myself down a bunch outside or I'll just do this little (laughs) before they go for a wave. I mean, it, that in the moment of like you said, like the momentum to three stroke burst sequence, or even just as you see the wave coming, turning, and going.
1: Every time after you after you paddle out, yeah, like every time you paddle back out, you catch a wave, you paddle back out, you sit up on your board, you practice those things because yeah. your heart is up because you've just been paddling, yeah. But it's time to relax and catch your breath. So and and you've got time to think. So that's the time to. That's the time to do it. And then the practice is built in to your surfing. You
0: don't think that you need to be within moments of catching a wave to practice it?
1: I don't know. I mean, it's just like, I'm no expert on this, right? (laughs) You're more of an expert than I am. (laughs) It good to me. Like I, I do it and it feels, it feels better than before when I didn't do it. Yeah. 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 You know? So that's like, that's all I can really say to people.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah. And I think there's a, there's something to, I think there's a different scenario. When you paddle out and your heart rate's high from the paddle out, that's clearing out that carbon dioxide buildup. And then there's this parasympathetic thing that, that that cleansing breaths aren't going to do as much as what you're talking about in terms of bringing it back up to that curve.
1: Yeah. Um, You know, cleansing breaths. Like that's when I do box breathing. Yeah. A lot, you know, a lot of times I'll do the box breathing and, you know, sometimes you just, you know, you're having a session and things aren't like everybody has a session where things just aren't going well. Yeah. Get a few waves where you, you know, you miss and you get frustrated with yourself and you get angry and, and that's, that's when, so the other aspect of this, like the other thing, you know, that we could talk about is just the whole concept of interoception and like learning to recognize, when your emotional state is not conducive to surfing or performance in general. Yeah. So, okay. These are the times in recognizing like, you know, what are the tools that are most appropriate for this situation? Like if I've got to act right now, the di- you know, the dilation of your vision is, is a good tool. If, mm-hmm. if you've got to act in 10 seconds, then, you know, the, the double breathing is a good tool. If you've got a few minutes, do some box breathing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I, I think i extend it even more if I'm still having an out of rhythm session, I just come in, touch the sand for a bit, reset, everything's reset. And it's to your point, you have to recognize yeah. when you're, when you're out of sorts. Yeah. Especially when you're learning, cause you're told you just got to get reps. You just got to rep. So you go out kind of like you would any sports practice, you just kind of roll out of bed and you're like a robot and you're like, I just got to do it. I got to put the reps in. Mm -hmm. But You're really not feeling it.
1: Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, I think, you know, one of the keys is just to understand that you're not going to, you're not going to think your way out of a crappy mood out in the water. Yeah. You know, we never think ourselves out of a bad mood or feeling up, you know, feeling down Mm -hmm. in the dumps. It's, you know you're you've got to have something inside you has to kind of change to, to to turn the switch on the on the nervous system
0: well that's that's where i have such uh admiration for professional sports athletes because they could be having just a dog of a match or a game or a heat and not let that negative self-talk affect them as much and it's stuff i'm sure they're using more advanced techniques than what we're talking about to calm them down, but you see like tennis players that are down, you know, and then they come back. Um, I watch a lot of basketball, so I see that all the time. And then, you know, even the surf heats, the coaches talk a lot about like limiting Mm self-talk because there's this whole element where you you can't control the playing field. Yeah. Right. And so that, that's got to mess with your head.
1: There's a thing that, that people do, um, in, and they the some of the same people that talk about this type of self-regulation um bring up the concept of of uh, of trauma, whether it's PTSD or childhood trauma. And um, and, and I, I don't think anybody really like gets through life without having some sort of trauma affecting them. Even if you have perfect parents, you get you get bullied at school or you know, you, you know, somehow <laughs> you get in a car accident or, like you know, somehow everybody gets into trauma. And so one of the things that, that we we do is we dissociate or we become disembodied and we we get in our mind in, in order to pull ourselves away from the pain and the threat that's present in our bodies and when you're when you're in that state you you're, you're you're not performing well like you're not moving your body well your timing is not right mm-hmm. you're not you're not feeling the wave you're not you're not seeing everything mm-hmm. so it's 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 so part of it is is like just learning to to stay Embodied, and again, the, you know, you had that bad, like, traumas that that bad wipeout on the on the reef, and then you, you know, you better believe your surfing is going to be a little bit different. Yeah, you know, your your reaction to seeing that wave coming is it's a little bit different emotionally mm-hmm. than it was before that that nasty wipeout. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, first thing is to recognize when you aren't connected like that.
1: Yes, yeah, and then correct.
0: using some of these techniques to kind of bring you back to baseline, right? Or or back to that high performance point on the Yerks dosal curve. I
1: yeah, right. right. Yeah, Yerks Yerks curve. Dots
0: yeah. Dotson. Dotson. like like the car. Yeah. Dotson. Yeah. I can... <laughs> That's cool stuff. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, because you're an you're an ear, nose, and throat guy, right? Yeah. Surgeon, right?
1: Yes, ear, nose, and throat surgeon. So,
0: maybe you can enlighten us. Um, our friend Jim mm-hmm. Sigelnik, when I busted my foot, he gave me all these balance exercises to do to get that strength back. And he's like, okay, just stand on one leg, close your eyes, balance. That mm-hmm. right there was tough bringing the leg back and then he's like okay you got that awesome keep your eyes open but turn your head and still balance on one leg right and found that one quite difficult and he's like oh you got that one okay cool close your eyes and turn your head right while you're holding on one leg and then he's like put this little foam pad underneath my foot and had me do all those sequences again and it was The most difficult thing I think I've ever done in my life, and I've done a lot of pretty tough things, (laughs) but that like those simplified things, can you give some insight into what the, what's the deal with, with balance? I know balance is driven by the cerebellum Mm -hmm. because it's getting communication from that vestibular system in your ear, but what's the deal with the ear? Like and, and why, you know, why does like just turning your head mess you up, your balance? Do you know?
1: So I don't know how much this this stuff is like, this is kind of nerd stuff. It's, I don't know how much it's going to help our surfing, but, you know, if people are into it, I'm happy to talk about it. Um, <laughs>
0: I'd love, I want to hear about it. So the
1: inner, the inner ear basically does two things. It tells us where our brain is in relation to gravity. Okay. Okay. And so, you know, remember if we're, you know, if we're, if we're turning in space um, or, you know, let's say you're going up on a vert, you know, on a skateboard, you're, you're going up on a, on a wave. The, the perceived center of gravity is, is going to, it's not going to be the center of the earth anymore. It's, it's going to be toward the face of the, the wave or, or that vert all your so part of your brain just or part of your inner ear tells your brain where the center of gravity is in relation to your head uh-huh. and so there's and then the second is the semicircular circular canals uh-huh. and that uh that gives your brain information on um, uh, um so that's linear acceleration and then uh, I'm getting a brain fart on it but it basically it's rotational acceleration centrifugal
0: yeah centrifugal.
1: centrifugal yeah i have to look up exactly but but basically which which direction is your head turning in space okay how quickly is it turning in space and there are um there are reflexes And they go to the neck to keep your head stable. They're reflexes that go to your eye to keep your gaze. So you know, you looking at me on the computer screen, you can turn your head back and forth and stay focused pretty dang good on my nose, and you can get fairly fast before you lose track of it. And that and that's that reflex going from the semicircular canals to the brain and then back to the muscles in the eyes. It happens as a reflex happens without any kind of thought. Mm -hmm. And so our, 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 um, cerebellum is the cerebellum is important. Um, in our balance, there are other parts of the brain that are also very important in the, in the brainstem, um, and even in the motor cortex, but the, the, the sensory functions that drive our balance are, the vestibular system. So where's gravity? And and am I turning which which way am I turning and how fast uh, and then your, your vision provides a lot of cues. So where's the horizon. Um, you know, and again, these are these are the reasons why pilots fly on instruments, because if you're banking your vestibular system is giving you false information about where the ground is uh-huh. your visual system can be giving you like, you may not have a visual of the horizon. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're in a storm or whatnot. Um, and then the, the last thing is proprioception. The third thing is proprioception. And so for each joint, there are nerves that give feedback to your brain where, where you are, where, where your joints are, how much each joint is bent? and mm-hmm. your ankles, your knees, your hips, you know every joint in your spine, your shoulders, your neck, um, all that information. So all three of those things kind of connect to give you balance. And so what's kind of interesting is that if if those go, if one of those goes, you can actually stay upright, you can walk, pretty okay with with just two of those systems so for example like somebody has a hip replacement or a knee replacement walk around just fine you turn the lights off on them and ask them to walk they're going to hit the deck Mm -hmm.
0: that's fascinating like that like yeah it's nerdy but it's you know i'm constantly bridging okay surfing surfing right so you're you lose the sight while you're getting sprayed in the face. Now it's different than being on one foot. You have essentially two feet planted on the surfboard, two points of contact, but you know, depending on your style of surfing, I'm more front footed. I'd be more on my front foot. So I'm almost on one foot. And so if I get blinded, if I can train the way that Jim has taught me to train those, the cerebellum will call the motor control neurons faster in my mind.
1: Yeah. I think you're, I think you learn, like you're learning motor patterns on land. And the more you go into, um, like autonomic arousal, you go to like flight, fight, flight, or flee. And if you're, or, or, uh, yeah, fight, no fight, flight, or freeze. Right. So if you if you freeze or when you get stress, your your body is incrementally like you're starting to go toward a fetal position. Like and you see people when they begin surfing, they they're bending at the hips, not at the knees. Mm-hmm. The spine is starting to crunch over. You know, your spine is rotate as well. Like when your spine is straight, that's when you get the best rotation. Your hips don't rotate very well when they when they're flat. You get more hip rotation and, and there's more extension. So it, so that, I think that so that's one way that the autonomic system moves into it and then and then the other thing is that you just you kind of default to like um, patterns that are not helpful when you're surfing. Like you want to move away from the danger, Whereas what you need to do is push your 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 to get more stability and more speed and get out of the danger. You need to weight the front foot.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's an, a, a really specific scenario, but that's a great example of how if you don't have that stuff trained on land, like skateboarding, right? You're if you've never skateboarded before, and not not knowing that you're supposed to be more evenly placed over the trucks or even more front footed on the trucks at times, you would once again, fall backwards trying to get away from it. Right? right. So it's just a matter of, of training the brain. And the more you do that, the more you get used to it and the more the brain settles and, and also speeds up because those, those neural pathways will start to fire a lot faster. Cause when we watch the pros, man, they can they can be one footed, their head turned, their eyes closed. And somehow out of all that turbulent white water, they find the surfboard, write it, write the ship and ride out of whatever crazy maneuver they did. And it's like, you know, for you and I, regular Joes, we'd be like, that was pure luck for us. But for them, it's like part of that nervous system that, that writes the ship that keeps you balanced. Yeah. Which I, I find that fascinating because like, you know, I don't, because I, I exercise so much outside of surfing, or maybe it's specific to surfing through rec swim, I'll try to do these, like just simple balance tools when I'm, when I'm doing my normal day, because I'm like, oh, these are easy to do. I can just do this while I'm, you know, waiting for a call to start, or I'm waiting for a session to start. I can stand on my foot and turn my head a bunch of times, right?
1: do you think that that makes your surfing better or does it make you better at standing on your foot and turning your head?
0: That's a good question. It's a very good question. So I think both because I think if you were to take and try to replicate you standing on a surfboard and do that a bunch of times, you still need that kind of base, muscular, communication between your brain and your muscles just by standing on a stable surface. You need that base minimum. And what I'm suggesting is that I lose that base minimum quite often. (laughs) Like if you're not on a surfboard often enough, right? And we're all technically not on surfboards often enough. We're not standing often enough. Not compared to like a basketball player shooting free throws, you know? And so we lose that touch very quickly. Even if you're surfing every day, if you're only surfing five waves every day, that's better than five waves every week, but still five waves a day. Can you imagine telling Steph Curry to shoot five free throws a day and that's it? Right. You know? So, and, and I found that through, you know, through swimming and and the sports that I played with water polo, um, even skateboarding is that the more that you get those reps in the, the more refined and sensitive you're, touch for a better lack of a better word is right and that 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 is what surfers pro surfers have just down to micro microseconds. they feel the board differently than you and i
1: yeah i just i don't i guess um I, I, my so here's where my skepticism comes in is that like the, the more you rehearse the more a motor pattern the more ingrained it is yeah so but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the right motor pattern, or the- yeah, that
0: it's it's correlated. Yeah, it's not totally correlated. Yeah, I get what you're saying. It totally makes sense. That's like if we were to just do normal squats, a lot of people would be like, "Oh, yeah, that's really good for surfing." It was like that has nothing to do with surfing. Like that's doing a squat on a surfboard is completely different than doing a squat on land.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I- that, like, um, like Clayton does, for instance, like the cardboard surfer. Mm-hmm. Um, like to teach people to pump like that's that's a a motor pattern and you like it's something that you you get that feeling like you feel that weightlessness that uh, that that occurs in that second yeah as you're moving forward before you stop again and, and gravity takes over
0: yeah and then you have to do it again yeah no it's it's trying to replicate what we're trying to do all the time. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, everyone's going to agree that the best thing you can do to improve your surfing is to keep surfing. And that's where, you know, like when we were in Waco, I, I would say you know, that wasn't even a coaching trip and everyone improved.
1: And yeah. you know,
0: everyone got those reps because we got so many reps on our feet, right? So that's that's always going to be number one. And so what I think coaches are trying to do is... What can you do when you're not surfing? It's like free throws are not basketball. Free throws are one piece of it.
1: So I I guess I I think it's somewhere in the middle. Like I don't think you can become a great surfer just by surfing and and not doing any other training outside of that. And I don't think you can become a great surfer just by doing land drills.
0: Yeah, Yeah, you probably peak. If you're just surfing, you probably peak at some point without any sort of cross training, right?
1: I think that's where the video analysis becomes so helpful because there's there's so much going on like there's so many more variables yeah. when you're on you only get so many opportunities to rehearse and when you do dry land training, you know, you can you can say okay, this is the one thing that you want to change and go down and we're going to eliminate all these other variables and you're going to teach your, your nervous system this motor pattern, and so you've got that motor pattern on lock, and then you go back and surf again, you're not trying to learn a new, you don't have to learn a new motor pattern. All you have to do is learn, learn the timing and when to apply it, and to apply it with all the other variables added back in. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I think, I think, that, that all the dry land stuff is going to, like you said, imprint a pattern, motor and pattern into your brain that wouldn't be there else, you know, any other time. If It wouldn't come naturally, I suppose, or it would come naturally only after several, several reps of failure. <laughs> but again, at the same time, if you think about that motor pattern in the water on a, on a wave, that's already too slow. You're already too slow to react, right? So it's it's the, the the building the motor patterns to build the training to build that that um, uh, secondary unconscious motion,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: then again, you have to be in the water to to make it connect. To your point, and it's like that's why surfing is the hardest hardest sport in the world or the hardest activity in the world. It's nuts.
1: no one ever has enough opportunity to practice
0: yeah 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 it's awesome well i don't want to take up too much more of your time but i was always curious about surfer's ear and that bone growth and i'm just curious like as a last yeah question for you like why the heck does the body grow a bone to close the canal
1: (laughs) right well um That's what do mystery. you
0: think? Like, is there science on why or is, are they just theories on on why the bone grows
1: out? Well, um, so I don't know. What are the things that stimulate bone growth? Like most for the most part, it's is biomechanical stress, right? That causes that causes increases in our bone density. Yeah. Um, you know, why inside inside the ear? Um why did God make us that way? Or why did, you know, why is that, how is that a survival advantage?
0: Right. Um,
1: Well, I mean, I guess, you know, you could, you could kind of create the, so it happens. It doesn't just happen with surfers, right. It happens a lot of times with um, sea captains or, or, or um, yeah, just um, it's cold.
0: It's cold water and wind, right. or, Cold water or wind,
1: right? One theory is that it's it's really more the cold air. Yeah, sailors get it, and they do everything they can to not get wet, right? In the water, yeah. Um, And so, yeah, maybe maybe it's a bit of both uh, mixed in, but um, either way, the 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 bone just kind of forms this little outpouching or or bubble. Um, and, it, and it, and it, and it, I guess, it, it, is it trying to, you know, protect the more delicate structures of your hearing from from damage. Um, I, 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 who knows?
0: Yeah. Okay. So I, that's what I wanted to know. If, if there's any theories out there? I'm like, is it a? It can't be survival. Like, do we need our hearing for survival? No. I mean, I guess, I guess, no, I, I take that back. You could argue that, yeah, part of our survival as humans has to do with our hearing.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: But it's not a, you know, modern day, you don't need it anymore. It's very, it's very old school caveman. You need your hearing to survive kind of thing.
1: Right. But our DNA hasn't really caught up to modern day. Our DNA- right. <laughs> totally.
0: totally. So that's, that's super interesting. Yeah. I always, I always thought it was, oh, is the ears protecting? And then I was like, why is the ear protecting itself? That's just so strange.
1: Yeah, it doesn't mean that it ne- is necessarily effective. Yeah. <laughs> you know, all it is is a, you know, there are these, there's um, y- you have these cells that produce bone, you know, your osteocytes uh-huh. stimulated to lay down more calcium and create bone. When there's additional electric current running through them and a lot of times that comes from just biomechanical stress like strength training will increase your bone density Mm -hmm. Uh, and so for for whatever reason that stimulation of the cold air it gets those osteocytes moving and they start building up bone where bone does not belong
0: yeah it's kind of like (laughs) those Kind of like those osteocytes looking at all the other osteocytes on the body and going, Yeah, I want to get big too. So let's send some cold air in here. Oh yeah, 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 let's let's do that. Grow. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they're getting jealous of the um the muscular bones, <laughs> the bone bones attached to the muscles.
1: Yeah. So what so for example, your um if you look at like the uh um the process of fracture repair like you fracture a bone the first step in healing is actually inflammation so there's like blood that goes into the like it it bleeds it forms a hematoma at the fracture site Mm -hmm. and then inflammation and that's why they tell you don't use ibuprofen or aspirin if you've just broken a bone because you're slowing down bone growth by decreasing the inflammation. And so maybe that cold air just creates some sort of inflammation or, or, or damage. And, and it could be that it's not and maybe it's just to the, the, the tissue near the bone that translates into the bone enough to it, to where it gets the message. But it's you know it's it's not I don't think it's common enough. Or um, or that, I mean, the things we know in science are because somebody thought it was important enough to spend the money to study it. Yeah. And so, you know, there's how much money really has gone into some. I mean, you know, we've developed surgeries for repairing it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but the you know the the natural history of the development of 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 surfers ear i don't know that a whole lot of research is you know i don't think a whole lot of money has been dropped into that you know
0: after this podcast though there's gonna be tons of money flowing into that
1: oh because everybody listens and <laughs> that <laughs>
0: so co- such a compelling argument
1: right right it's just such a compelling problem
0: well, man, thank you so much. It's always great talking with you.
1: <laughs> Wait, did we just record the podcast?
0: Yeah, it's been recording oh. this whole time.
1: <laughs> oh, I thought we were just discussing what we were going to talk about. <laughs> I wanted to, dude, I wanted to preface this by saying that I am no expert in surfing. I'm no expert in surf coaching. I'm not an expert in autonomic regulation i'm an expert in something completely unrelated which is diseases of the ear nose and throat (laughs) so i'm like some average dude bullshitting right now (laughs) it's perfect
0: (laughs) this might be our best episode (laughs)
1: good okay yeah Yeah. put that put that put that disclaimer at the beginning (laughs) please (laughs) That's perfect. (laughs) Hey, man. Thanks, Carrie. Appreciate it. (laughs) All right. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you later. All right. See you, man. Bye. Bye.